What's up, guys? Eric Huberman here. Thank you so much for listening to Hawk Talk. For this week, we wanted to present you with a throwback episode. We're bringing back our incredible interview with the one and only Rob Deerdeck for all of you new listeners to get to hear as well. The man is an absolute legend, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. I need to create a system to protect me from me. And then furthermore, it was like, how do you want to live? What do you want your life to be like? You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huberman. You're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here with Rob Deerdick. How are you, man? Good, man. I love the flow of hot talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? It almost sounds a little erotic. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel like I got to get more bass in my voice, like really get into it. (laughs) So yeah, so I always like to start, you know, I I assume as a three-year-old, you didn't, you didn't think you'd be, you know, a business mogul and a pro skater and all these different things. Like you didn't come out of the womb ready to on a skateboard. So we'd love to hear where did it all start? Where are you from? Um, You know, look, I I feel like I did almost come out of the womb to it, right? But, you know, I I grew up and was born in Kettering, Ohio. Mother was a stay-at-home mom. Father was a suit salesman. Father was extraordinarily positive, deep optimist, like friendly with everyone. Mom, super religious and paranoid, right? So I ended up with this like great balance of like deep optimism along with a general sense of self-protection that I think kind of created the balance in me. I grew up creative, took a ton of art classes, discovered skateboarding, you know, was played a ton of sports and when I was young and then discovered skateboarding when I was 11 years old. And from literally the moment I, you know, got my first skateboard it was, I'm going to be a pro skateboarder, right? So, so where that's, who got, how'd that start? Like, how did you discover it? You know, my sister's boyfriend was had like he was the coolest person I'd ever seen in my life. (laughs) He showed up with spiked hair, four bandanas around each arms, spiked belts across the chest and waist and four bandanas on each leg. I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. He was a skateboarder. And so I like wanted to be like him. So I actually bought my first skateboard from him, a fluorescent pink bow brown. And then I emulated him. I went to elementary school with four bandanas on each arm and spiked hair. And people were like, what's up with you? And I'm like, I'm a skater. I'm a punk rock skater, you know, and, and that sort of kind of set it off. But the thing that happened was, you know, I was so athletic and I got good, so good, so quick. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he was the leader of the street rats, right? He had his own crew and he wouldn't let me in the street rats because I was like her, his girlfriend's little brother. So I had to form my own crew, the wild grinders, you know, and there was a huge contest coming into town put on by one of the local skate shops and I didn't have any money. So I called the, the skate shop and asked if I got 10 people to enter, would I be able to go to the contest, right? And, you know, took that initiative and they were like, what? Okay, come down here. Sure. You know, and... and so I'm curious, they, just to pause there, where'd that come from? Like, was it just the confidence your parents built in you? Like, where did you, you know, you're 11, 12 years old. Look, I don't know. Right. Like you can't you, you know, especially as I have children, I watch them develop. Right. And and, yeah. and and I play deeply on sort of self-belief and and sort of critical thinking and how you evolve yourself, even at this very young age. But because when I look at it, I look at it as 
everything I tried at a very early age, I found success, right? So whether that was Taekwondo or soccer, whatever it may be. So there was this beginning of this innate idea that like I could do anything, right? Yeah. And and then my father was always so positive. Like anytime I'd ask him like, can you fix this? Of course I can, I'm your dad, right? So I, I was layered into this in that early age now, I, I decided I'm gonna take this shot and it worked. Yeah. Right. So again, it was a moment in time that could have gone either way. Right. It could have been where they were like, get out of here. Like, you know, and and I could have tried it another time. And then I it could have deterred me from ever doing it again. Instead, it became a lifelong trait that I carry into my business today of going straight to the person that makes the deal on everything. Right. Like no matter what business I'm in. And and so it's this nature versus nurture where I got extraordinarily lucky to find that type of success. And, and then as the odds would have it, it was a, the person that owned the skate shop was a 19 year old serial entrepreneur. And so like, it was this first, I became his friend and then I became sponsored by the skate shop. So what happens? You make this random phone call. This leads you to becoming sponsored by the actual skate shop. Then you become mentored by a young serial entrepreneur at 11, 12 years old, right? That's this super outlier, unusual path to be presented with at such a young age that proved to be what shaped me and took me on these sort of two paths of being athletic lead entertainer and entrepreneur business person. But you got that early positive reinforcement across everything you did, which is Nate, that makes sense. Like you were, you said you were good at Taekwondo. You were good at this. You made that one phone call and took a, you know, chance. And then you were rewarded for it, which just incentivized you push to do all that. It sounds like your entire career. Right. Right. And again, lucky. Boy, yeah. you got lucky at 11, 12 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that you carried that momentum, like, and then used that relationship as a platform to begin to build your name in skateboarding and, and you know, eventually make your way to California at a very young age from them allowing you to work at the skate shop when you were 14 so you could buy, make enough money to go to California so you could be amongst the best to showcase your skills that you were developing in Ohio, basically out in the middle of nowhere, you know? Yeah. So tell me about, so what age, so I guess after the 12, you were 12 when you entered that tournament. Is that about right? Yeah. So 12 to when did you move to California? Or come well, I, I, I had initially like a couple of the guys that were from Dayton moved out to San Diego and started working for this company, GNS Skateboards. And that's who initially sponsored me, factory sponsored me at 14 years old. And so I worked to save enough money to go out and start visiting in San Diego. Okay. And then when those two guys that moved from Dayton out there to start that company moved back and started a new startup skateboard company with my serial entrepreneur mentor that I helped play a part in developing and naming at 15, right? So now I'm in my first experience of watching like this group of older mentors come together to form a company and then going through the process of creating the name and seeing the logos and watching it come alive, right? It was this extraordinarily thrilling experience. And so now this is who I turned pro for at 16 years old. And for them, they knew that like, hey, we need to get this young pro that's our star out to California. And so at the time, you know, I was making as a pro skateboarder in Ohio, you know, I was making anywhere from $60 a month to like 800. And one year I made $2 a month. I sold one board. So they guaranteed me 
$1,000 a month if I would move to California. And I felt like I hit the lottery. Right? Yeah. It was like, what? I'm out of here. Right. And, you know, you, you got to think I stopped going to high school after my junior year and went to Europe for the world championships and placed fourth. And so now here I am, 16 years old, fresh off of like, man, this guy's like top in the world already. We need to get him to California. And I had already quit school and my parents gave me the OK. And then I moved out to California when I was 17. Wow. And what was the name of that company, by the way, that they started out of Ohio? That you helped. Alien Workshop. Alien oh, Workshop. And the reason we call it Alien Workshop was Dayton, Ohio is where Hangar 18 is. No. And so we were all deep into alien conspiracies. And the whole idea is that they were re-engineering UFO technology and Hangar 18 and little alien workshops. That's what led to ultimately creating the concept, you know. I remember that brand. That's awesome. And so move out to California at 17. How was it landing in here? Like you obviously were taught, you know, doing well in your game. You were fourth in, you know, in Europe and everything. But how did it feel to land at 17 in California? Where did you have connections out here? Or were you? I did. I did. Right. So, you know, I'm all uh, basically California was waiting for me. Right. Because yeah. it's like, man, this kid's like gnarly. This, this kid from Ohio, that's like they formed this company out there and he's like this top pro. So I had been going out there every year since I was 14. So I had a ton of relationships. And, you know, unfortunately for my mom, she just hated it. She didn't want me to move. She wanted me to finish high school and then go to college and then move to California. Yep. And then, you know, a, a fellow pro skateboarder friend of mine, sister and all her friends had a house and they had an extra room. So me and another friend moved out and moved in with her. And my mother was like, I told her like, Hey, we've got a really cheap place with these four girls. And her immediate response was like, Oh my God, you're going to get AIDS. <laughs> right. And it's like, what? Like, that's how paranoid my mother was of just like what her 17 year old's life would be by moving in with four girls. But look, I got out here and flourished, right? And then what do you, what do, you do when you're a young hot pro in the skateboarding game and now you're in Southern California, you get prospect by all the top companies, right? So we were a startup in Ohio. So now all the top companies are coming at me, making me offers, which essentially now gave me an opportunity to renegotiate with those guys. And I went from getting a thousand a month to 2,500 a month. And now I was rich. I was saying you're balling. Yeah. Yeah, man, I was rich. And, you know, look, in that same time, you know, I'd watched all these guys build companies. And and so I had first thing I did when I when I moved out there was connect with a Southern California manufacturer and pitch them the idea of building a company of the skateboard trucks. And I said I would put together the entire team and concept and bring it to market. So in that first year, it was the very first time that by myself now I put together all of the parts as it was released related to both naming, designing, manufacturing, and team and marketing and everything all is one and, and launched Orion Aluminum mm -hmm. in that first year that I got out there. Yeah, I remember that brand too. Awesome. And so what how did it progress from there? Give me the story. You're now 18, you know, you know, look, now you're, you're, you know, you're suffering with learning about taxes and all <laughs> these other complexities. Like you're, you know, it's like, you know, I got hit with like, you know, $500 in ATM fees. Cause I got the cheapest account that charged me like $5 a transaction at my local Seven Eleven. I get $20 at a time, you know, yeah. you know, I got roped into buying a brand new Honda Civic when I went there just to look at it. It was, I had huge buyer's remorse, like, Oh my God, I shouldn't be buying a brand new car. <laughs> just sort of this life and evolution while having a ton of fun. Right. And yeah. I think right in, right in that era, 
was, you know, I had rode for Drawers Clothing and Drawers Clothing was developing a footwear brand called DC Shoes, right? And so the entire concept was, hey, all the skaters wear Nikes and everything when they're not skating. And skate shoes are these big, puffy, clunky, really hard, very uncomfortable pieces of footwear. Like, what if we make an athletic skate footwear brand, right? And so... They asked me if I would be the the first street signature pro and design a shoe. So it became my first opportunity to design a shoe, which was this extraordinarily thrilling thing, right? And in hindsight, it, it was also a beautiful look at what founder market fit looks like, right? When you have great operators in a pre-existing market and they, they see an opportunity, then what white space looks like, they said, hey, this is what all the other footwear looks like if we make an athletic version, right? Like this beautiful yeah. thing. And then I designed the very first athletic skate footwear and launched DC and it exploded overnight. Right. Yeah. And and it was one of those things where, you know, when you look at all of the, those parts as it relates to what makes a startup successful or, or a venture successful, they had so many of them. Right. So many unfair advantages. And then they piled white space and great product design and unique value proposition in the market. That's why it exploded overnight. And now I went from making, you know, 50 you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year to now all of a sudden I'm making two hundred thousand a year, right? And yep. now you are wow. Yeah. I'm really rich. I'm yeah. gonna buy myself an Audi. Right. Yeah. So it's like that was another huge, huge transition of development in that phase because it was like another thing again that I was a part of creating and yeah. being a part of it at the early stage and it works again. Yeah. Right. So now I'm just it's it's I'm being I was raised by entrepreneur wolves, right? And then everything that I would start would just work, right? Yeah. And and in hindsight, it was because I was had so much leverage inside a particular market. Yeah. But at the time, I just looked at I'm just an amazing business guy who knows well, you how also, to put the right deals together. You stuck with what you knew too, though, and that's the that's where I think a lot of people get go astray as they go into an industry that has nothing to do with their experience or what they know or what their access is. And you, everything you launched was very, very directly in what you knew and where you had access. And so, so then what happens next in the story? Yeah, I decide to launch a record label. There you go. Right, because of course, like now I got yeah. all this money and I'm the business guy. Yeah. I start, I launch a retail store, a record label, all these things that, and now where am I at? Yeah. I'm drifting in deep waters of industries. I don't know anything about like I, you know, and, and it was this brutal awakening and painful period where I was trying to do all of these companies because I wanted to get out of skateboarding and do something beyond skateboarding, right? Which I think yeah. a lot of, especially people that have great experience in a market tend to get jaded by it and don't see the opportunity and want to use the skills they developed in a, what seems to be an easier, better, greener pasture market to develop in, right? And right. And I spent a lot of years wasting a ton of that money trying all of these different ventures that, again, were not within sort of the wheelhouse and the expertise that I had, including letting my career begin to slip. Because now I'm, I'm skateboarding less and I'm, I'm doing more. I'm doing all this business and now that it's taking up all this time and energy and not working. And now it's like making my skateboarding suffer, yeah. which I hit a significant crossroads at 25 years old when DC said, hey, we think you're done. Right. Wow. And it's like, oh, my God. So now 
they say, hey, we, we think your best years are behind you. We're willing to give you one more contract. And then you should come here and be a shoe designer. Yeah. And, you know, he looked me, the, the Ken Block, the, the founder and CEO yeah. of DC, 